0: Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, August 27th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. President Biden promising retribution after a suicide bomb kills 13 U.S. service members and more than 169 Afghans gathered outside the airport in Kabul. ISIS K, a rival of the Taliban in that country, claiming responsibility for that bombing and another one in a nearby hotel. All the while, a massive airlift out of that country continues. More than 100,000 evacuated, including more than 4,500 Americans, one of the largest operations of its kind in history. And hospital workers here in America approaching a breaking point besieged by unvaccinated COVID-19 patients, doctors and nurses speaking out about life inside the nation's intensive care units. This and much more today on U.N.E.W.S. transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest out of Kabul, Afghanistan, 24 hours after two bombings outside near the airport there, at least 13 U.S. service members now dead. 18 more wounded. In the span of just minutes, the United States military losing more soldiers than on any other day in more than a decade. And in the aftermath, a resolute President Joe Biden promising retribution against those who carried out the bombings as U.S. officials warn more attacks could come in the following days. U.S. forces on edge in Afghanistan bracing for another possible terror attack.
1: We believe it is their desire to continue those attacks, and we expect those attacks to continue. And we're doing everything we can to be prepared for those attacks.
0: The warning coming as President Biden vows to hunt down the terrorists who killed at least 13 American service members, wounded 18 others, and killed scores of Afghans in the deadliest attack on U.S. forces there in more than a decade.
1: To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this we will not forgive we will not forget we will hunt you down and make you pay
0: the scenes of horror come in the waning days of america's unprecedented civilian airlift the bombings targeting many who were attempting in vain to get into kabul airport and onto one of the evacuation flights one blast occurred just outside Abbey Gate, one of the main entrances to the airport. A second blast went off near the Baron Hotel, which was recently occupied by British forces. ISIS-K, the branch of ISIS in Afghanistan, claiming responsibility for the bombings and gunfire. Bloodied victims rushed to the hospital, some in wheelbarrows. Ten Marines, one Navy medic, one Army soldier, and one other service member killed.
1: These American service members who gave their lives, it's an overused word, but it's totally appropriate here, were heroes. Heroes who have been engaged in a dangerous, selfless mission to save the lives of others.
0: Despite the tragedy, President Biden promising the mission to get Americans and Afghans out will be completed.
1: These ISIS terrorists will not win. We will rescue the Americans We will get our Afghan allies, out, and our mission will go on. America will not be intimidated. We will be able to fly out evacuees right up until the last
2: moment. That's going to be the goal.
0: The president also ordering the White House flags to half-staff to honor the service members killed. Flags will also be lowered on U.S. military bases and federal government buildings until sunset on August 30th. The White House says President Biden plans on speaking to the families of the service members killed in Afghanistan at some point today. He's just awaiting the notification process. The White House press secretary has said it's possible the president will travel to Dover, Delaware, when the remains of the fallen service members return to U.S. soil. Meanwhile, the Pentagon is reporting that 5,100 American citizens have been evacuated from Afghanistan so far. And this bombing in Afghanistan marking perhaps the toughest day for the president since taking his oath of office in January, making matters worse in Washington. Another setback for his administration, the Supreme Court of the United States in a six to three ruling along ideological lines, blocking the extension of the CDC's COVID related eviction moratorium. A majority of the justices ruling that the only way the eviction moratorium could continue was if Congress Congress specifically authorized it. When Congress failed to take action again, the Biden administration had issued a new moratorium, which the court now says violates the law. The high court's action allows evictions to resume all across the country. The coronavirus pandemic showing no signs of letting up in the United States. More than 100,000 hospitalized as frontline health care workers report widespread exhaustion and plummeting morale. Medical staff increasingly vocal about having to treat so many patients who have chosen to not get vaccinated, putting family members, those in their community, along with hospital staff at risk. Grecia Lastra has more.
3: Alex Sakarski has been a nurse for 18 years and since the pandemic began, she has been fighting COVID-19 in the intensive care unit, or ICU at Miami's Jackson Memorial Hospital. Seeing patients die, especially young patients with no pre-existing conditions, is taking a toll. We go home and we start to think about the health of our family. We ourselves are exposed day by day, 12, 14, 16 hours in hospitals. How do you compare the stress you feel now with the stress you felt at the beginning of the pandemic? Has it become worse? It is worse because we see ourselves with even more frustration because we know that there are already things that we can do to fight this virus and we as people choose to not do it. Vaccines, face masks. Florida reported more than 26,000 cases on Wednesday, the highest daily number in the state since the pandemic began. There are already more than 100,000 people hospitalized with COVID-19 in the country the highest number in seven months. According to the Centers for Disease Control, more than 90% are unvaccinated. Alex describes what she sees on a daily basis. We have seen about seven to eight people die within 18 hours or so. And this is being experienced by many health professionals across the country, so much so that many have stated that they are seriously considering leaving the profession they love so much. Beds are running out and it's not just coronavirus patients that are being affected. We have been so busy with COVID patients that people with cancer, back pain, have not been able to have their surgeries or their treatments because there are simply not enough beds. Reported in Miami, Florida by Lourdes de Rio, this is Grecia Lastra reporting for you News.
0: It's a heartbreaking situation out there. But there is some good news today. More than 600,000 Americans have received an additional booster dose of the COVID-19 vaccine as of Thursday, according to the latest numbers out of the CDC. Since the FDA authorized the additional dose for certain higher risk people on August 13th, a total of 643,000 have received that booster. And that's out of a total of 9 million Americans who have weakened immune systems like organ transplant recipients. These COVID booster shots will be available for all Americans starting the week of September 20th. According to the CDC, the third COVID shot is recommended eight months after an individual's second dose. Meanwhile, the battle over face masks continues in Florida. The father of a student was arrested for allegedly assaulting another student. The man was released on bail, but as Genesis Vieira explains, the altercation reflects the still divisive atmosphere surrounding the use of masks.
4: The incident occurred at the entrance of this South Florida school. According to the affidavit, Dan Bauman was recording another student who was wearing a pink mask. The teenager tells him, I've had more than enough for four days. and tries to take Bauman's cell phone from him. According to police, the man pushed the student, grabbed her and twisted her arm. Agents arrested Bauman, accused of assaulting a minor, and set a bond for $5,000. The police version adds that Bauman spent several days protesting outside the school against the use of masks. They say that he tried several times to get his daughter to enter the school without wearing a mask. He has been showing up for four days sending the daughter without a mask and harassing the students by recording them with his cell phone and this is not right because children also have rights. Bauman's daughter defended her father and said that at no time did he try to assault the other student. Bauman claims he is defending his daughter's rights. Other parents rejected his behavior. I think it's bad that they're trying to get into the school to do that because we all have to protect our children. It is very unfortunate because first and foremost, the school has rules and the rule is that if you want to send your child to the classroom, they have to wear math. Reported by Vilma Tarazona, Genesis Viera for You News.
0: And in late breaking news, a judge has ruled that Florida school districts may in fact impose mask mandates. Leon County Circuit Judge John C. Cooper today agreed with a group of parents who claimed in a lawsuit that Governor Ron DeSantis's ban on the mandates is unconstitutional and cannot be enforced. The governor's order gave parents the sole right to decide if their child wears a mask at school. Cooper's decision came after a three-day virtual hearing and after at at least 10 Florida school boards voted to defy DeSantis and impose mask requirements with no parental opt out. And we are also learning more about COVID-19 and teenagers today. According to the CDC, the highest rate of infection last week was among 16 and 17 year olds. That's a shift from the past month where 18 to 29 year olds accounted for the highest rate. 12 to 15 year olds and people in their 30s showed rates just slightly lower than 16 and 17 year olds. Adults 75 and older reported the lowest rate. Overall, 18 to 29-year-olds still make up the largest share of coronavirus infections. And just minutes ago, we reported a major setback when it comes to protecting residents across the United States from eviction. The Supreme Court ruling that the Biden administration's eviction moratorium violates the law, but now renters in New York are facing yet another setback. A new report detailing how money set aside to help those behind on their rent has still been sitting there largely untouched. Fabiola Galindo explains. She has lived in the
2: same apartment with her family and pet for 20 years. But Silvia Gaston doesn't know where she'll end up in a few days. Already next week, Tuesday 31st, where are we going to go? Under the bridge? With boxes? How?
5: Constable, you
2: need to come to the door. She's referring to the evictions moratorium expiring in five days in New York. She has not received the assistance she needs. The landlords want money because some also pay a mortgage. I put myself in their shoes, but also mine. Roberta applied to the rental assistance fund a month ago, but it's like she didn't even do it, she says. I don't know if it's true or false the assistance they're going to give us. They promised us. Or maybe they're just lying. Both are at the face of an eviction crisis that is about to explode. Up to July, of the more than $45 billion of the Emergency and Rental Assistance Program, only 1.7 billion, or 11%, has been distributed. And of the 2.8 million who have already applied for assistance, only 500,000 reported receiving it. 1.5 million are still waiting. It's a race against time. As the slow distribution of funds continue, 60% of those who need it have not even managed to apply for it. Some of us don't have a passport or any of the other documents. If they apply to the program, they they are still protected from eviction. This Thursday, the Supreme Court struck down the Biden administration order to extend the moratorium at a national level until October 3rd. Now it's up to the states to distribute the money faster and avoid a massive eviction crisis in New York. Fabiola Galindo, Yunus.
0: In Washington, the U.S. Department of Education said on Thursday it will cancel more than $1 billion in student loan debt for some students who were defrauded. President Biden has approved the student loan cancellations for students who attended the now defunct for-profit ITT Technical Institute. The Department of Education is making the cancellation automatic for borrowers who qualify starting in September. That brings the total amount of loan discharges approved under President Biden to nearly $10 billion. More of your news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English.
4: Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. That would essentially put an end to the longest war in U.S. history.
5: This is interior of a stash house that we found in this right along today.
4: State authorities
0: recommend avoiding them at night. U-News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U-News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Vice President Kamala Harris has scheduled a pre. She has canceled a pre-scheduled rally that was set to take place today with California Governor Gavin Newsom. Harris is a former senator from that state and is popular with Democrats there. She changed her plans after Thursday's terrorist attack in Afghanistan killed 13 U.S. service members. Democratic Governor Newsom faces a recall election on September 14th. And the CEO of the women's rights organization Time's Up is resigning. Tina Chen says her handling of former Governor Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment scandal is causing division within the organization. The Washington Post reports Time's Up staff met with a Cuomo aide after his first accuser came forward. It says Chen then texted colleagues to, quote, stand down and not release a statement supporting the accuser. Later, the attorney general determined Cuomo had sexually harassed 11 women. Chen apologized to survivors in a statement to The Post on Wednesday. In what he says is an effort to tackle multiple aspects of the migrant situation along the U.S. border, Mexico's President Andres Manuel López Obrador is seeking to convince Washington to invest in Central American development and not just focus on migration curbs. This comes after the U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday denied President Biden's bid to rescind an immigration policy implemented by his predecessor, Donald Trump. That plan, known as the Remain in Mexico policy, has forced thousands of asylum seekers to stay in Mexico awaiting U.S. hearings. In response to the ruling, Mexico's foreign ministry said on Wednesday that Mexico will exercise sovereignty in designing and executing its own migration policies. And joining us now to discuss the impact of the decision to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy on the ground is Megan Lopez. She's the Regional Vice President for Latin America at the International Rescue Committee. Megan, welcome to U News. Thank you so much for being with us today.
6: Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.
0: Put this decision, please, into context for the hundreds or perhaps thousands of people affected by this order. What are conditions like for those individuals forced to wait in Mexico?
6: You know, this decision is very disappointing. Um, we know that, you know, there have been hundreds of thousands of people that have been, not been able to seek asylum through previous administration decisions and through some of these policies that you know we had hoped that in the current administration, the Biden administration, we would see changes and realignment with both national and international law. As we see people uh, forced to remain in Mexico, they're they're having to wait in places that are quite dangerous under conditions that are that are quite tricky. And this is after they have taken dangerous and harrowing journeys to get to the northern Mexico border Um, it's very concerning Uh, it's a major protection concern and as we see the numbers at the border increasing and increasing as we see that as a, a result of the many different crises that currently exist in Latin America and the growing use of Mexico as a migration route it's highly concerning
0: now how is Mexico reacting so far to all this are they going to continue accepting migrants what do we know at this hour
6: Yeah, so what we have seen is that Mexico um, has sort of two different different sides, right? On the one hand, they are receiving Afghan migrants. We've seen the the reports um, there and they're being incredibly generous and incredibly um, opening to to refugees arriving in Mexico. At the same time, we see an increase of deportations of Central American migrants um, back to the Southern Mexico border. And you've seen the Guatemalan government speak out uh, with their concerns about what that means and what the safety concerns that that creates. I think here what we run into is a bit of a challenge where um, who we define as a refugee and who we define as a migrant, and what our perception is of what um, what people uh, what is provoking people's movement and what kind of safety they're seeking, uh, and what situation that they're both leaving and and running towards.
0: Now, what comes next for the Biden administration? I mean, do you think they will appeal this Supreme Court decision?
6: We're certainly hopeful that they will. Um, this administration has shown uh, quite clearly that they are trying to take a very intentional uh, approach towards towards immigration. Uh, they have released a uh, an immigration plan that talks about root causes in Central America. It talks about um, a variety of different approaches, and and that that's a quite positive thing. That we're not just looking at migration as the population that arrives at the southern U.S. border, but really that that is a symptom of some much, much larger and that um, much much comes before that moment that people try to touch the U.S. border or try to to ask for asylum, which is their international right and which is a right that the U.S. has supported around the world. So that's quite positive. it remains to be seen whether the Biden administration will push back on this. Um, you know, of course, with uh, the Afghan crisis and um, and the concerns about the refugees from Afghanistan, our concern is that you know that this sort of gets gets lost in the mix a little bit, where we know that many of the people that are arriving at the southern U.S. Northern Mexico border are people that have experienced harrowing situations from which they've fled, uh, gender-based violence, in incredibly high levels. Um, children, youth, many people fleeing situations that that are, are quite harrowing and dangerous.
0: As you noted, there's a lot going on right now in the world, so we will continue to monitor and see what develops and comes out of the situation right there at the border. Thank you so much, Megan Lopez of the International Rescue Committee. Thank you. And in the meantime, as a potential administration legal challenge to the Supreme Court's decision is anticipated, the effects of the high court's ruling are already being seen on the streets of South Texas. Pedro Rojas takes us there.
5: Without the presence of families and unaccompanied minors, we found the baseball field in La Jolla, Texas, where hundreds of migrants have willingly turned themselves in daily to the U.S. Border Patrol. This could be one of the first effects of the U.S. Supreme Court order to restore the remaining Mexico policy for asylum seekers. Residents of Reynosa, Mexico, where thousands have already been returned, have their concerns. I feel like we are being overcrowded and there is not enough room for them, Norma Cruz says. The President of Mexico indicated his willingness to help the U.S. government, but gave a warning. No puede ser. This can be forever. We have to get to the bottom, and that means investing in development, Andrés que... Manuel López Obrador says. Texas Republicans, uh, meanwhile, are celebrating.
1: Of, this is a great victory uh, because what it does is restore uh, a controlled manner of people entering the United States. We have seen in the past how people were entering uh, and declaring asylum and then they disappear.
5: Sister Norma Pimentel, who leads the humanitarian aid efforts for those released by the Border Patrol, has expressed her opposition. It's not okay to
4: see a policy that tries to enforce families to remain in a country in a, in, a, in a state that is going to be very difficult and painful for them.
5: In La Jolla, we also found an empty table, an area used by federal agents to review the documentation of migrants. Attorney Riot Gonzalez explained the asylum is only granted to a specific cases. Asylum law only protects those that have suffered persecution because of their race, religion, political affiliation, nationality, or because you belong to a certain social group and are afraid of being attacked, Attorney González says. Sister Norma Pimentel says that the number of families released by the Border Patrol in the last two weeks has gone down because the government is flying them back to the native countries in large numbers. In McAllen, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News.
0: Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review.